right, and welcome back. A, another edition of Connor and Coverage. We were off last week as I was off dying. I had a very bad stomach virus. Fortunately, we were able to overcome that. Make it to the game on Saturday. A fantastic win for the Georgia football program. 10-3 over Clemson, our first game of the year, and now we are back. We're going to talk a lot about that tonight, where Georgia goes next from here. Obviously, they have another big game on Saturday against UAB. Obviously, not the same level of competition there, but UAB is a team where if Georgia messes around, this is going to be a game that is going to be interestingly in the late stages there. This is a good UAB defense. It is not exactly the team I think this Georgia team really wants to see right now. You think of a team like, say, Akron or Louisiana Monroe that Auburn and Kentucky played a week ago. I think maybe those are the teams you want to see Georgia get right against, so to speak, on the offensive side of the ball. But this UAB team, they're going to make Georgia work, and there's going to be times where it might not exactly be a whole lot of fun there on Saturday in Sanford Stadium. But my name is Connor Riley. This is Connor in Coverage. We do this every Tuesday night as long as I am physically able and healthy enough to do so. We're going to talk latest in Georgia football. Obviously, we'll recap the Clemson game. We'll talk about what Kirby Smart just said. We just just spoke to him on Zoom a few minutes ago. Look ahead to UAB this weekend and along the lines. Touch on anything you guys have. We'll open it up for comments and questions tonight. Press conference ran a little bit long, so my third segment didn't get done as I had hoped that it would. But that means more time to answer your guys' questions, anything you guys might want to talk about tonight. Obviously, the win over Clemson, where Georgia's offense goes next. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that off the top of our show. And without further ado, why not go right into that? What to make of Georgia's wide receiver situation? Uh, You know, we know they're injured. We know they're banged up. Darnell Washington has a foot injury. I don't expect him back until later on in the month. Uh, Dominic Blaylock, Kiaris Jackson, we're going to give you updates on their status quickly here from Kirby Smart. Uh, He was asked about George Pickens tonight. We've got an update there as well. But I don't think anybody really thought it would be as bad as it was until we got out there or until, at least from my point of view, from watching from the field level, you got out there and you saw Georgia going with a wide receiver combination of Adonai Mitchell, Ladd McConkey, and Justin Robinson. And that was not at all what anyone had expected. And we're going to touch a little bit on Jermaine Burton. I wrote about him this morning, what comes next for him. Arian Smith's the guy we're going to do actually a much bigger segment on here in a few minutes after that. So... The wide receiver position, obviously it has been defined by injuries to this point in time. And the good news about that is that they do have, I think, capable and experienced players. But when do we see those guys back on the field? I'm talking specifically right now about Kyrus Jackson and Dominic Blaylock. Kyrus Jackson only returned punts, did not play any snaps on offense. Dominic Blaylock did travel, did dress, did see that with my own eyes. But when he gets back on this field a full year after his second ACL tear of the same ACL, it is a question right now, and I think it's a big one for Georgia, just given, I think, what we saw from the wide receiver position. Obviously, I think Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, Jermaine Burton, a few others are going to be really good players, but they need time and reps to do so. And so I think the pressing question right now is, when can we expect to see guys like Kyrus Jackson and Dominic Blaylock back on the field? And so I'm going to play you guys a clip from Kirby Smart's press conference where he gets asked essentially three questions in a row about the wide receiver position and first two are about Kiaris and Dominic Blaylock. And then the third one is an update on George Pickens that I think is worth hearing for you guys. So this is Kirby Smart talking about those injured wide receivers and when to sort of expect them to come back. Eventually. I, I told you on Monday, I mean, it, Blaylock and Kiaris are practicing every day. They're, they're, they're repping. They're, they're, they're going They're I mean, basically they're cleared, right? Kiaris was out there. Tom's working out. He's practicing every day. It's, it's a matter of those guys working themselves back in. I mean, the body of work that Ladd and Jalen have, um, Kiaris is not 100%. Uh, Dom is, is – Dom may be closer to 100% than Kiaris. But uh, there's not a lot more we can do other than them 
getting reps and, and working themselves back. So, I mean, everybody wants to know when they're back. They're back. They're just not completely 100%. So, when they're better than the guy that's playing, they'll, they'll, we'll get them out there. And, and you know, they're, they're not 100% right now. Okay, let's go to uh, Jake Rowe and then Seth Emerson. Yeah, just to clarify that, you you did say Dom is, is cleared now. Is that right? Dom's been practicing. Dom's been practicing for a while. Um, Dom is he's getting confidence back in his knee. He's getting stamina back. Um, he's getting contact. He's getting reps back. I mean, he's he's you know it, it's it's more guys than just saying he's cleared. It goes back to our quarterback last year. You know, I mean, you can't just say, well, well you got to put him out there. No, it takes more than that. I mean, you're out there with people trying to knock your head off and you've had an ACL surgery and you'd like to be a hundred percent of your old self. And it may take a little while to do that, especially on a second ACL. So he's clear to practice and he does all kinds of things, but there's a difference guys between being game ready and going out there and practicing. Kirby, since uh, obviously you're thrilled with receiver injury questions, uh, let me ask about George Pickens. I, I guess we haven't asked about him. Is What's he doing right now? Is there a feeling this could be even a midseason type deal, or is it still late season? Where, where is he right now? He's rehabbing every day. He's lifting every day. Um, he's going to school, doing all school work, and uh, he's done a good job of doing that. So we'll, we'll see. We don't know. I mean, it's one of those he gets a, a kind of a monthly update. We haven't had an update in, in, in quite a while. I think he's scheduled to go see uh, Dr. Andrews here soon to check up and, and visit. But he's doing his rehab and he's working hard and he's straight line and running. But I have no idea of a, of a date of return. I mean, that's just too far out right now. Yeah, so there's some things up there. We'll see about Kiaris Jackson and Dominic Blaylock. Uh, George Pickens is an even bigger we'll see right there. It sounds like at Kirby's per Kirby Smart, Dominic Blaylock is closer to contributing than Kiaris Jackson is as far as the offensive side of the ball there. So you wonder, all right, you're probably not seeing Kiaris this week. I doubt personally that we're going to see Dominic Blaylock this week. Maybe South Carolina, maybe Vanderbilt is hopefully the game they're targeting to get to get those guys back there. But as far as guys who are actually going to be out on the field, I thought Kirby Smart had a really interesting question this week. Uh, when he was asked about Jermaine Burton and sort of where things stand with him, he only had two catches for 11 yards, and I wrote about him this morning. There were some blocks that needed to be made on the outside on two key third-down plays, and both times Burton was unable to make the block there, and it ended up ending two Georgia drives there. So, you know, obviously he'd been battling injuries as well, obviously even going back to the spring. So I'd ask Kirby, you know, where are things with Jermaine Burton? Because – Obviously, I think there's an expectation. I myself have this to to be the best wide receiver on this team as, as so long as Pickens is out and even Jackson and Blaylock, I think, only further ex- exemplifies that. And it sort of just goes to show that the story with the Georgia wide receiver core right now is just no one is really all that healthy. And I thought what Kirby had to say about Jermaine Burton was pretty telling there as well. Here's Kirby Smart talking about Jermaine and, and the struggles that he's had as he continues to try to develop this offseason. Well, I think first off, and I don't know this, I actually thought about looking it up, but of the last, what we have, 26, 29 practices before camp, we had 15 in the spring, so let's roughly say that's 45. I bet you he's practiced out of 45 practices 10 times, you know, 15 times he's been able to practice. So he's missed a lot of time. Um, and he was already a, a young player last year in group. So I think for him, he knows that his 
upside, his best football is in front of him. Um, and he's done everything we've asked in terms of getting well, uh, rehab, and pushing himself. Um, but he's not he's not in game shape. He's not uh, in game speed. And and we got to improve that. We got to work on it. And he's certainly a very talented football player that we're excited about. And uh, he will help us be explosive. Um, and he just got to practice more. Now, Blaylock has been out of practice so far this week for Georgia, and I think that's an encouraging sign. But he's a guy they really get into, as Kirby Smart says, their game shape and get him going because I think having him become that reliable option, I think is really going to open things up for the rest of this offense. And, you know, Marcus Rosemary, Jack Sane is a guy they'll look to get more involved. He went down briefly with it looked like a leg cramp or maybe a slight tweak. Uh, so we'll be interested to watch him go and how he continues to develop. Obviously, Adonai Mitchell, first career game. And I personally didn't have very high expectations that for, for him in that game to make a big impact as a pass catcher. But one guy is a freshman who, who did sort of add a necessity because no Darnell Washington, John Fitzpatrick is similarly limited with a foot injury, is Brock Bowers. Six catches for 43 yards. Uh, I was very encouraged by what I saw there, and the reviews have been very, very good. You have uh, today Nolan Smith comparing Brock Bowers to JT Daniels in the sense of when they, he was on scout team, sort of the look that he was giving them and the impact that he's having there for Georgia. You know, obviously he's a very talented player, a guy that is clearly going to be a receiving weapon for Georgia going forward. And so Smart was asked about Bowers. This is back on Monday. Bowers is someone who, again, I, I think was always going to play a part in this Georgia offense, but because of the necessity, he was asked to be Georgia's leading receiver on Saturday, and he, and he did that. Six catches, 43 yards. Not statistically the most impressive game ever, but for what he was asked to do in his first career college start against a very good Clemson team, I think Bowers is going to continue to be an important piece to this Georgia passing offense and is someone that's clearly going to need to be relied on is he's one of the few guys that is actually healthy and able to practice and contribute on a day-to-day basis. So here's Kirby Smart talking about Brock Bowers' involvement and what goes Well, several of those were not targets just for Brock. He was the open guy. Some of that was get the ball out quick against a really good pass rush and not being able to, to you know, see how long are we going to be able to protect? Are we going to be able to get vertical down the field? What's the easiest way to throw a short pass to the tight end? Um, who do they probably least expect? Brock Bowers, you know, and so a, a lot of that is uh, happenstance, but he's certainly a, a good player and not every play that he got the other night was designed for him. It just ended up that way because some of those are RPOs, some of those are boots, and there's two or three options. Uh, a couple questions here. Uh, Jeff Horton, did did Arik Gilbert even travel? No, he is not. He is not with the team at this point in time, still away for personal reasons. Uh, when Marlon asked, when is Darnell Washington expected to be back any timeline? I would think maybe the Arkansas or the Vanderbilt games, are, 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 which the Vanderbilt game is September 25th, and we'll get a real answer there because Georgia has the 70-man travel roster limit for SEC games. So we'll know sort of where Washington is. If he's able to travel and make that trip, I think that's a good sign for him going forward. But I would look for maybe the Arkansas game there as well on October 2nd uh, when Georgia returns home for maybe them to get Washington back out there as well. Again, with guys that size, feet injury or foot injuries are, are always a little bit more concerning and how they react to them because they can be repeated and happen. You look at guys in the NBA, Yao Ming, Bill Walton, their careers were ruined because of foot injuries. So it's something you certainly want to be careful careful with. Of Even though Darnell Washington is not a seven-footer, someone of his size, that could certainly happen again. So sort of an update there on Darnell Washington and Arik Gilbert. And sort of wrapping things up here on our wide receiver position, looking ahead, 
this group is going to get better as they get more reps, especially this, these next three weeks. While I think UAB might actually have the best defense Georgia is going to see in that time, these guys need to, and again, they're going to be played differently. That Clemson defense is one of the best defenses in the country. They're not going to see a cornerback as good as Andrew Booth until maybe they play Florida and Kair Alam. And even then I'm still not certain that, that Alam will play as well as Andrew Booth did, but this Georgia offense, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I, I, I think you saw that at the end there against Clemson that last drive where they salted the game away and Clemson really couldn't do anything about it. I think that was a really encouraging sign for this Georgia offense going forward and what they're going to be able to do running the ball because they're not going to play defense. Well, it's South Carolina's defensive line is pretty good, but I, I think they're going to be able to do some good things there in terms of running the football. But this passing offense, if they're going to make that elite jump and do what, say, an Ohio State did, what an Alabama did to Miami – the wide receiver position needs to at first get healthier and from there get better. You need both Dominic Blaylock and Kyrus Jackson, Darnell Washington. You can throw him in there as well. You need them to come back healthy. And then you need some of those younger guys, a Brock Bowers, a, a Jermaine Burton, a Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint, a Donna Mitchell to stay healthy and develop there as well. And if you're able to see that, I think there's a chance that this Georgia offense, if healthy, which has been a huge, if this entire season so far could be in a spot where, you know, top five offense. I don't know. I don't know if they have the skill players there. You look at what Alabama has. You look at what Ohio State has. Even Oklahoma. You know, I don't know if Georgia's ever going to be on that level so long as Pickens is out or at least continuing to rehab from his injury. But can you get to a top fifteen, top ten offense and that pair with perhaps the best defense in the country? Maybe make things difficult for Alabama, who's pretty clearly the number one team in the country based off of Week One. I think potentially, and that's going to be the thing to see yeah, following this offense going forward. You know, JT is what JT is, and if he's going to be handicapped by these wide receivers, how this group continues to develop over the year is, in my opinion, the biggest story in following this Georgia offense. They're going to be able to run the ball. You're going to see them do really impressive things there. They'll be able to – I think they should win the rest of their games on their schedule. Uh, they will not play, in my opinion, a team as good as Clemson the rest of this year, and I think Clemson is going to get the ship turned around there. But – this is a Georgia offense that even though they're better than every team left on the regular season schedule, they need to show real improvement in the passing game with that wide receiver position. And I think that's really paramount coming out of the first game there. So that's our first topic of the night. My name is Connor Riley. This is Connor in coverage. Do this every Tuesday when I'm physically healthy and able to do so. I see you guys are talking about my fashion again. Uh, so moving on to our second subject here, and this will be our second one tonight. And we'll open up to questions sort of about Georgia football and not why I choose to wear blue shirts instead of wearing a Georgia polo. So our second cop topic of the night is on one Arian Smith, a wide receiver. We had sort of touched on a little bit earlier, but wanted to save him and go into deeper detail here because obviously his speed is second to none on this Georgia team. He is far and away the fastest player that Georgia has. And I think some people were expecting to see him get used more often and use that speed as an advantage, especially against a team like Clemson, where I don't even know if they, know if they have a guy as fast as Arian Smith. But really only didn't have, didn't have much of an impact in the passing game. One catch for six yards came late in the fourth quarter, and it came sort of on a way I think you're going to have to see Arian Smith be used right now, sort of designed specifically to get him the ball in a situation where he's able to make a play and it's not the traditional wide receiver running routes or within the flow of the offense. It is plays designed specifically to take advantage of Smith's speed. And I think that's something we're going to continue to see him develop as we hear from Kirby Smart here on Arian Smith in just a bit. But I wanted to call attention... While he may not have made a big impact as a wide receiver in that game, I thought he made two huge plays in special teams. And Kirby Smart brought it up tonight. I didn't have time to cut the clip, but mentioned Arian Smith had a dominant game on special teams. He downed those first two punts for Georgia inside the Clemson 10-yard line. The second one getting, getting it down there on the one-yard line. 
And that's a really valuable skill. And it's a really, to me, encouraging sign of what Smith is going to continue to develop into because, yes, he may not be where he needs to be right now as a wide receiver, certainly given the injuries that Georgia has had there. But when he's making plays like that, I mean, how many times have we seen the Patriots in recent years, you know, they have to punt and they're able to pin the, the other opposing team back because they're able to down a punt inside the 10 yard line because of the gunners, which is what Arian Smith played the role that he had played there on special teams. And I, I think, you know, if you follow the analytics, there's real statistical data in where you start your drive and how likely you are to score points. And obviously the farther back you start your drive, the less likely you are to score points. And so I, I think it absolutely played a factor on Saturday night where Clemson was continuously having to start so deep in its own territory. And so I think with Arian Smith, well, yeah, we're still waiting to see him develop as a wide receiver in this offense. I think the role that he played on special teams was really big. Here's what Kirby Smart had to say about him on Monday, speaking about him in sort of the role that he plays on special teams. They got down. He actually missed his field zone on a couple of those, and Arian Smith made phenomenal plays. So I want to give Arian some credit. Uh, we, we come in this room and we sit here and say, okay, Camarda, what is your percentage of downed inside the 20? And our goal is for him to hit like 70%. And he, since he's been here in his career, he's batting about 75, 80%. And he doesn't do that alone, guys. That ball doesn't stop and not roll in by himself. So he, he has gunners and people out there that have to, we, we practice that really hard. And I think Coach Hartley does a great job teaching it. And we were able to down, I guess, two or three in there. And that absolutely played an impact for Georgia. And I'll ask, we, we got a chance to talk to punter Jake Camarda on Monday. He was asked about Arian Smith and the role and how much easier that makes things for a guy like Camarda who doesn't need a whole lot more advantages given he's already one of the better punters in the country. And I think you saw him back that up in a big game against Clemson. This was Jake Camarda sort of talking about the benefit of having Arian Smith's speed out there as a gunner in the role that he plays there. Both both our gunners are they're awesome. Having Arian out there and speed out there is it's- it's great. You know, we're we're blessed to have uh, two really great gunners. You know, Arian Arian is a, I mean, to say the least, he's, he's a pretty fast guy. You know, he uh, he flies out there, and it's it's awesome to have him out there. You know, Arian's a great player, and uh, you know, I look forward to seeing you know what else he can do the rest of this year. All right, so Arian Smith, let's let's do a little backstory on him here. Was an All ICC track level performer. This past uh, this past offseason, now he was with the fall team. Obviously, in spring, went through spring practice, suffered a wrist injury that I think slowed him a little bit. He was in a non-contact jersey for the spring game, and then immediately transitioned to the track program, where he played a role in Georgia's relay team and, and was one of the top sprinters in the SEC, one of the best conferences in, in college track. So, you know, that I think did slow his development as a receiver a little bit. And let's even go back further to last year he missed a lot of time last year because of a a, a knee injury that happened in the preseason. And so it's worth keeping in mind Saturday for him, while he is technically in his second year in the program, that was his fourth game. He's played fewer games in a Georgia uniform than JT Daniels has. And so, you know, with wide receivers, Kirby smart has brought up routinely the, the role that Jermaine Burton had early last year when they were able to throw him in that first game of the season against Arkansas, and by the time they played Alabama, he was he sort of had his head on straight and knew what he was doing and was able to go out there and make an impact. I think it's important to keep that in mind with Arian Smith that the game reps for him are still coming and they're still going to continue to come, but in terms of the experience, he's not on the same level as, say, a Jermaine Burton or even a Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint who played in six games last season. So I think that's 
something to continue to watch going forward. And we Kirby was asked about the development of Arian as a wide receiver and the role that he played. Smart did mention that Smith lined up wrong one time, but I, I think it's important to monitor here as well. While we can praise the role that Smith plays as a special teams player, which I thought he was fantastic and in a definite impact player for Georgia in that phase of the game. I think most of the people watching here are really interested in how Smith continues to develop as a wide receiver and how Georgia is able to use him and his world-class speed going forward. And you guys probably think of Arian as an experienced vet, and I look at him as a really a freshman because this time last year he was rehabbing. So there's three players on one key play that all do the wrong thing, and now we have to make sure that doesn't happen again because – happens once nervous energy different things you miss things you know these guys are going to grow and get better and we're going to develop them from it but my expectation is they do it from day one all the way through so yeah how arian smith develops and how he's used i think is going to be really interesting because he's a guy you're going to have to scheme specifically to get him the ball and we saw george we saw todd Munkin do that with james cook i'm interested to see as the season goes on goes along if Georgia uses Arian Smith in so, somewhat of a similar role there, you saw at the end of the game, Georgia was getting the ball to James Cook on speed sweeps, and he was able to convert those into first downs. I wonder if Georgia's going to be willing to do the same thing there with Arian Smith, obviously not just this year, but going forward as well, because I think Cook is one of the few guys who has the same type of speed that Arian Smith has, and, and James Cook is obviously a more experienced player. And so I think because of that, some of the receptions or role that would potentially go to Arian Smith. And I think will go to Arian Smith in the future is being used by James cook right now. And if you're a Georgia fan or if you're a Georgia coach, I think that's something that you like to see because you, you can use and pitch Smith as, Hey, James cook fills this role for us where yes, he does line up in the backfield. And I don't expect Arian Smith to do that as much going forward, but using him in motion coming across formations. I think that's a way that Georgia going forward has both depth at that weird spot, but also a way to sort of develop Arian Smith into a true offensive weapon going forward because to expect him to become uh, uh, Tyreek Hill I think that's a little unfair Tyreek Hill is one of the best receivers in the NFL and while his speed helps him there I think he's also an incredible wide receiver in his own right so that's our second topic for the night we were going to do a thing on Nolan Smith I'm going to have a story on Nolan tomorrow morning but unfortunately with the eight o'clock start time practice getting out late I didn't get a chance to cut uh, any interviews or, or anything from there about what Nolan had to say so we're going to open it up to you guys and open it up to questions, sort of talk about what you guys want to talk about, talk about that first game, talk about UAB going forward. We can talk about injuries, sort of the impact of this game for Georgia as a sort of narrative. I, I think it's really interesting the way this game has been discussed. So uh, whatever you guys want to say, talk about, we will open it up to you guys here for the time being. Um, let's see. Questions, comments, ask away. Uh, G. Bamboy, you know, this is an interesting uh, a point. Uh, he, he wants to see Arian Smith return kicks and punts. I find it, and I think Kyrus Jackson, when fully healthy, is a very good and capable punt returner. He is a guy who you know is going to make the right play and actually does a really good job of why he may not break one. He gets eight, nine yards each time, and there's, I think, a tremendous value in that. But it's hard to deny Arian Smith's game-breaking speed. And Kenny McIntosh is a kick returner. I think he's a really good player and a real impact player there for Georgia. I believe he was second in the country last year, an average kick return there. So, you know, while long-term, I think we could see Arian Smith return kicks. I, I, I think this season, Georgia is pretty well covered at those two spots. And, you know, if Kyrus Jackson is able to do that on a bad knee, you wonder what he might eventually be able to do when he gets fully healthy. Uh, I'll answer this uh, or Bill Kelly, this is a good question because I wrote about this and I'm going to write about it again later. Do we have the depth on the O-line without Tate right now? Yeah, uh, Georgia has recruited the offensive line incredibly well. They signed six top 100 
uh, overall offensive line recruits in the last two recruiting cycles. Uh, they have guys like Amarius Mins and Broderick Jones who are trying their hardest to crack the starting lineup. Those guys were five-star tackles, and in most places – maybe close to starting or closer to seeing the field than they currently are at Georgia there because of the depth. I'm really interested in how Broderick Jones plays or how much he plays this coming Saturday against UAB. I asked Kirby Smart about him tonight. I'm going to have a story for that on Thursday and sort of his development. This dude is a world-class athlete, and I think he is going to be a very good pass blocker. But the questions with Broderick have always been, he came in on sort of the skinnier side, and so he's had to add strength and add weight to his game. And so how does that impact his athleticism? And from there, how does he improve or or how does he get better as a run blocker? Because one thing I I will say about Tate Ratledge, we unfortunately didn't get a chance to see what he could do, but I felt very confident that he was going to be a very good run blocker for this Georgia offensive line. And I think someone who, while the plan was to move Jamari Sawyer down to one of the guard spots, I think Tate Ratledge was going to be a very tough beat to, to unseat him as a starting player. And I think, you know, if he had never, never gotten injured, it would not be a, a stretch to me to say at the end of the season, your two starting guards were Jamari Sawyer and Tate Ratledge. So now obviously that changes a little bit. I think you're going to see eventually Sawyer move down to that left guard spot, maybe even as soon as this game, and then move Justin Schaefer over to right tackle. And they've talked about Xavier Truss. He can play guard or tackle there as well. I'm really interested to see how Broderick Jones gets used this coming week and, and how he is sort of tracked because I do think he is farther along than Amarius Mims, both in terms of obviously being in the program, but in, in terms of being developed and ready to go out there and play. And Mims is a guy who's going to play for Georgia at some point, 6'8", 350, or 300, 300, 330 pounds. I mean, there just are not very many athletes out there like him. And I think unlike Roderick Jones, he has a little bit better strength coming into the program. Unfortunately, he is just a freshman right now. And more often than not, it is incredibly difficult for freshmen to come in and play right away, specifically at that tackle spot in SEC level. So I'm really interested to see how Broderick Jones plays this weekend. And not just Broderick Jones, but a lot of the younger players, because this is a game, Georgia's a 25-point favorite. You would expect them to, to play some of those younger guys and allow those guys to develop. And this is a game where, frankly, a year ago, Georgia didn't get the chance to do that. And so you wonder how development was hindered because of that you've heard coaches sort of talk about it and so you know you look for a guy like how often does car how much does Carson Beck get to play and go in in this game Kirby Smart said tonight he's the clear number two quarterback uh, Georgia should still win this game comfortably while I have questions about the wide receivers I, I think they're going to be more than t- Georgia, this Georgia team is going to be more than talented enough to have a comfortable fourth quarter lead on UAB or at least they should and so how how much does Georgia sort of let Carson Beck cook so to speak uh, you let him throw the ball or is he in there just hand the ball off? Because we've seen with Alabama, with Ohio State, they use these blowouts to develop their quarterbacks and get them more comfortable and get them real game reps, and that matters. And so how Georgia does that with a guy like Broderick Jones, who I think is going to play meaningful minutes, but even a guy like, say, Carson Beck, who would never play unless something terrible happens to JT Daniels, how those guys get used and developed in this game is certainly something to watch going forward. Uh, let's see. Questions, comments, Green Soldier, good to see you. Um, uh, Kevin Krennic, uh Michael Morris earned some really good uh, praise tonight. Talked about, uh, Kirby Smart was asked about scouting guys. Uh, Michael Morris is someone who has done well there. Jared Wilson is another freshman offensive lineman. Uh, updates have been a little hard to come by for Dylan Fairchild, and he did arrive during the summer there, so he's a little bit behind a guy like, say, Morris. But it sounds like this offensive line class that Georgia brought in with Mims, Morris, Fairchild, and, and Jared Wilson was another really good one and one that's going to have multiple guys who start for Georgia going forward. 
Uh, let's see. Questions, comments. As I scroll through here. Um, one second. Uh, let's see. Yeah, Tania Covino. I'll be interested to see if Mims plays in this game. Obviously, I think South Carolina and Vanderbilt are opportunities for them to play as well there. So how that guy develops, how those guys develop is going to be really interesting over the course of the season because eventually you expect those guys to turn into starters. Uh, let's see. I see they quit sleeping on. Hey, look, we properly respect UAB here. This is a really good team. This defense is going to make things, I think, difficult for Georgia in the first half. And it wouldn't be a surprise if it's a, you know, 10 nothing with three minutes left to go in the second quarter there. This is not a sort of cupcake game that, say, Charleston Southern is later on or a Georgia Tech, might I add, after they lose to a Northern Illinois. This is probably Georgia's second toughest non-conference game, obviously, behind Clemson this year. So, And, I, I, you know, it would not surprise me if this is actually the second toughest game Georgia plays in the month of September between South Carolina and Vanderbilt. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes there. Um, let's see. Um, Alan Hampton, this is good. I, I, I sort of touched on this in Winners and Losers. Uh, what are my thoughts on Zeus? Wishful thinking, but appear to look better than he has. I thought Zeus played really well. I I, I was impressed, uh, especially late in that game where they Georgia felt very comfortable giving him the ball. I believe that last drive he had, I think, six carries for 31 yards, and he was just finishing through Clemson defenders. Obviously, he has the Instagram post saying if he wanted to play with kids, he'd have his own. I was really impressed with not with obviously all of Georgia's running backs, and, and Kendall Milton had his own physical runs there as well, but I really liked what I saw from Zamir White in that game. 13 carries for 74 yards, along with his usual excellence in terms of uh, working on kickoff return, picking up pass blocks. He did have Georgia's longest play of the night, a 22-yard run, and it wasn't like it was, it was that run. It wasn't like say the Florida game where it was just a great play design. It was sort of something where Zamir was asked to create something out of nothing, made a simple cut to the outside using that vision that I think a lot of people have criticized him for and sort of able to run through and run through contact there. So I was really impressed with what I saw from Zamir. I wasn't necessarily surprised. I'm someone who's probably been higher on Zamir White than maybe some of my Dog Nation teammates. But I think Zamir White is clearly going to be a factor and a good player for this Georgia team. Is, does Kendall Milton have a higher seeing? I absolutely think so, or at least going forward. But for this Georgia team in 2021, Zamir White is going to be a very, very good running back for this program. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is a really fair question. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of complaints about the offense here. A lot of this was, I think Georgia, while some of it is personnel related, a lot of it was, especially after JT threw that interception, which was just a very bad interception. Hey, Clemson's not going to be able to score. Let's not do anything that potentially loses us the game. Let's not expose JT to potential sacks and hits. Clemson's defensive line, for as great as it is, only had one sack in that game. And I think that's very impressive. So, I, you know, yes, there are concerns about that. But I thought Georgia's offense, especially in the second half there, and obviously the late stages, they were going to score a touchdown on that last drive. The, the, the only thing is they were running out the clock there. I, I, I do think maybe some of it is overblown, at least on a wider scale. Certainly, I think they're going to be able to run the ball very well going forward. And I do think scheme and, and the way that this was designed from the Georgia aspect and the way that their defense had been playing leaned into that a little bit. And uh, Daniel Aldridge brings up, yeah, Clemson threw out some stuff out there that was very different than we had traditionally seen. So 
I, I do think that that is something to consider going forward. Uh, let's see. Let's do one or two more questions here. Uh, let's see. Comments, thoughts. Yeah, Green Soldier brings this up. They uh, they were doing a lot of different things out there as far as Clemson and the coverages that they were throwing out there. They did not play as much man-to-man as they had in the past. And so I think that absolutely factored into um, what Georgia, what Georgia was doing and asked to do in that game. I thought if, if Georgia had seen a lot more man-to-man in that game, you would have seen so. Uh, if Rick Watkins asked which receivers come back first, at this point in time, it sounds like Dominic Blaylock is the closest to returning, at least from what we have heard from Kirby Smart. And so because of that, I, I think I'll be really interested to see when he gets on the field and the potential impact that he could have. I, I'm really intrigued and interested by um, you know, the role that he could potentially play. And so because of that, I do think that you're probably going to see him first. It sounds like Kiaris Jackson is a little bit farther away than some of us anticipated. So I'll be really interested going forward how Kiaris develops because he's going to need to play a very important role in this Georgia offense. And I think having someone who can go over the middle and get you that 10 to 15 yard catch is something that we've seen from these LSU offenses going forward. And that's very important. Um, let's see. Do you think Georgia was hiding things? Again, I think Georgia Georgia knew that they didn't need to take the offense out of second gear about halfway through that game. You know, after DJ made that pick six and made that mistake where they were actually on Georgia's side of the field in potential scoring position, I think Georgia from that point forward said, "Hey, we have a lead. We feel really good about what our defense is doing so far and what they've been able to do throughout the game." So from there, I think that's what they're going to do. Uh, Travis Colzo asks, "Is UGA the true number two? I think, based right now off of what I've seen, I do think so. I think that Alabama, look, I don't think Miami's all that good. I think that team is soft. What Alabama did, they were up 41-3 to midway through the third quarter. That was really impressive. I do think that Georgia is an elite team, and I think it's worth pointing out, Oklahoma and Ohio State had their own struggles against lesser teams than Clemson. You know, Clemson, are they a championship team this year? I don't think so. But they're still going to be a factor come playoff time. I still think they've got a great chance at making the college football playoff. You know, Oklahoma and Ohio State have to handle business on their end if that's going to be the case. And I think a team like Iowa could absolutely give Ohio State a lot of trouble if they're able to meet in the Big Twelve or in the Big Ten championship game there. So, um, let's see, comments, thoughts, questions. I'm scrolling through here. Um, who would I rather for this team? This is a good question. Who would I rather have for this team? I'd still take JT. I, I, I think I think Matt Crowell is maybe the little better, a bit better quarterback. He certainly looked really good last night. But for what JT is going to, for what these quarterback, for what Matt Corral, Matt Corral would have to play very differently from what he has shown in Lane Kiffin's offense to play in Georgia's offense. And again, that that first game, Georgia, you can call it and blast it for conservatism, but they knew that they didn't need to to risk anything out there to to potentially jeopardize them losing that game with the way their defense was playing. So on a lesser team, I probably like Matt Corral a little bit more. But for a Georgia team that really needs execution right now, JT Daniel was twenty two or thirty. He was really accurate in that game. And while yes, he wasn't asked to make a lot of downfield throws, I do think that that played a, a factor in that. So uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, you're talking about my clothing again. That might be time we need to get out of here. Um, I will say I was, I understand it. 
I was a little, I was a little disappointed. Some of the talk coming away from the game against Clemson. This is a game where this is one of the biggest regular season wins Kirby Smart has ever had. Clemson is a legitimate playoff contender year in year out. This is this is a team that has won national championships, and that is you know for as much as Kirby Smart has done, they've lost to LSU, they've lost Alabama in rather embarrassing fashion. So for them to come out and play as well as they did, certainly defensively, but I still liked what they did in some aspects on offense in terms of execution. I do think a lot of that was game planning. I was a little disappointed in terms of the reaction from this game and not enjoying this victory and savoring this victory. And it was uh, viewing it through the prism of, you know, beating Alabama in the college football playoff. You just beat Clemson, one of the best teams in the country. Enjoy that win. Enjoy that moment because that's something that Georgia hasn't done a whole lot of. Yes, they've won big games, beaten Florida many a times, but to beat a team like Clemson, a, a true peer in Georgia in terms of talent, I think is something that should be celebrated a little bit more. And the hemming and hawing that happened on Saturday. Now, I understand Monday, Tuesday, you move on from that. You take a step back, look at it as a whole. But almost instantaneously, there were people complaining about this win. And again, I, I think if we asked you guys back in May, how do you feel about beating Clemson? You would have taken it anyway. And so I think this is one of those games where... Yes, if this is a Vanderbilt or a South Carolina, I think you have a more justified right in complaining about the way that this game was played. But as far as what we actually saw out there, I think that's a win you absolutely have to take. And and so because of that, I think that's sort of where it's going to be. And so on that note, we've gone about 40 minutes here. Uh, Bama, boy, I probably agree with the top four uh, that G Grace gave here. Bama at one, UG, UGA two. Ohio State 3, Oklahoma 4. So uh, that's going to do it for us here tonight. We are going to have cover four on Thursday, sort of recapping Clemson, looking ahead to UAB. You've got Jeff Sintel recapping the recruiting angle from this game. I think it was very important the way that that all had played out. So you've got that to look forward to. Uh, Obviously, another big game this Saturday against UAB. I'm glad we're getting to talk football again. We're going to have more updates, more content for you guys coming out. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. This has been Connor and Coverage, a Dog Nation production.